is no greater embodied unity than sharing sound and breath with other human beings. Singing together is a profoundly impactful, unified experience that moves us towards an experience with holiness. I'm Rabbi Deborah Waxman, and I'm so happy to welcome you to Hashivenu, a podcast about Jewish teachings on resilience. I'm also happy to welcome today my colleague, my friend, my teacher, Rabbi Jeff Summit. Jeff is the Neubauer Executive Director of Tufts Hillel, and he is also an ethnomusicologist and a research professor at the music department at Tufts. He is the author of several books and articles, and he's just a, a wonderful conversation partner. And so you won't be surprised that I've asked him to talk about the role that music plays both in animating Jewish life and in helping us to cultivate resilience on an individual level, on a, on a communal level. Welcome, Jeff. Deborah, thank you so much. Um, it's really a pleasure to be here speaking together. So the first thing that I'd start off with is the lens through which I've been seeing my work recently when we talk about resilience. I think it's incredibly important that each one of us should have a story that we tell ourselves about our work. A lot of my work has recently been informed by the words resistance of the heart against business as usual. Um, the Bread and Puppet Theater put this on a poster, but I think this is what the Torah has been teaching for millennia when we talk about being commanded to love God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our, our might. God is the awareness of the infinite in each of us. Believing in God is believing that our actions and our words matter, and through them we have the opportunity to make holiness real in our world, what could be more important, more revolutionary than resistance of the heart against business as usual in our country at this moment in time? And I see music so much at the core of what we talk about when we talk about communal resistance. A lot of my work has been looking at the role and function of music in spiritual experience and what could be more revolutionary than joining voice and breath with other human beings and making sound that expresses the essence of who we are spiritually at a time when so many voices are being quieted, so many voices are being pushed down. Music's a deep vessel, and it has the opportunity to include so many different signifiers. And when we sing Jewishly, we could not only draw from many different coded expressions of Jewish identity, drawing from Israeli music and Hasidic music and contemporary American music. We could blend languages, the languages that are key to our people, whether that's um, Yiddish or Ladino, English, Hebrew. And we build such multi-tiered expressions of identity in a world that wants to force us to be so singular mm. in our expression. Mm. Music is in its essence about multivalent expression. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking about this great gift my parents gave me of bringing me to synagogue a lot when I was a kid. And I know that that's not 
how everybody was raised, but I went to synagogue and we sang a lot in my synagogue. We had leaders, uh, lay leaders from within the community who had been exposed to the Chavara movement, was very, very interested. Folks were very interested in enlivening the service with a lot of song. And so I really came to know myself through song, through music, through Jewish music, even more than the, what I learned in choirs in school. And I didn't always know the meaning of the words, but when I did, I knew that not only did I have the experience of singing along with other people, but the words I was singing were always in the we. It was yes. almost almost always the Jewish liturgy, not so much the Psalms, but Jewish liturgy is written in the collective. So as you're talking about multiple multiple identities and multivalences, I, I think, oh, that is actually, that's how I came to know myself from a very young age and how much it has shaped me into my adulthood. Right. And what I've found, which has drawn me so much to my work in music is, well, my research is connected to music. And my first book was about music and identity in Jewish worship. And the book I just finished this year is about the meaning and experience of chanting Torah. When I went to have conversations with Jews about music in our religious and spiritual life, first we started to talk about music, but within moments, people were talking about the values that were at the core of their Jewish identity, authenticity, history, connection to family, the importance of community, how we see ourselves in a much, much through a much larger lens uh, than just our isolated experience. Music is, um, in people's spiritual lives, and musical expression is about so much more than just the song, or um, so much more than even the words of the song. It, it was fascinating when I was talking to people about the meaning and experience of chanting Torah, Classically, when people have written about that, they say that the trope is there to help people tell a story and it's there's punctuation to the text. And the person who is laning, who is chanting, is primarily doing the service of conveying the words of the Holy One to, you know, to the congregation. But when I ask people about why they chanted Torah, um, the answers were much more complicated than that. Very few people who chanted Torah voluntarily in their congregations did so because they wanted to express the words of Torah to their congregation. They did so because that was the act that brought them in deepest proximity with Jewish tradition, mm. to stand in front of the open parchment scroll of the Torah and be the person singing God's words um, gave them access to the meta center of um, Jewish experience in a way that very few other rituals uh, did. And when I asked people, would you do it if it was just reading, you know, the, the, the Parsha? The vast majority of the people said, no way, you know, like, no, the singing is what makes holy language into spiritual experience. Oh, so I have two questions for you. One is to think about, you know, I certainly think about Jewish, primary Jewish expressions being so intellectual and so much in our head. And right. we're talking about something that is, moves us beyond that, even as we use intellectual skills. And then I think a lot about the people who can't sing, 
or who believe they can't sing. I mean, I have a card that hangs on my wall at home that says, if you can walk, you can dance. If you can talk, you can sing. But I know a lot of people who are very self-conscious about their voice. And what, maybe they'll join in in group song, and maybe they won't. My father won't. Um, because some stupid teacher told him when he was a little boy that he should listen and not sing. And then there are others who might sing together in the group song, but they wouldn't necessarily put themselves forward. They wouldn't necessarily avail themselves or, 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 or take the risk of, of, uh, tapping into the experience that you just talked about. So I'm just, I'm wondering if you could reflect on, on both of those. Do we have about two hours? (laughs) Uh, let me just answer quickly on that. Number one, you know, Deborah, we live in an American uh, culture that is an overly professionalized mm. culture. And so America's Got Talent is a good example where to, you know, like to sing out there in front of people, so many people feel like they have to be a star. Um, but Many, many cultures around the world understand that it's everyone's responsibility to bring song, you know, like to communal life. And uh, when I speak to people, it's like you just have to leave this idea that your voice is not good enough that, you know, and it's very interesting because for chanting Torah, um, uh, chant is on a continuum between speech and song. Um, and one of the powerful things about chant is that from, uh, the, the musical range is, uh, is limited. The um, expression is very straightforward. And I found that many, many people who would be embarrassed to full out sing in front of a congregation were very willing to chant because chant was more accessible. And, you know, the thing about Landing about uh, reading Torah is if you get too performative, it's not mm. acceptable, mm. you know, because it's not about you. It's not supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about the Torah. And and so that should put people at ease a little bit about expression. There's another thing I would add, too, and that's um, in ethnomusicology, we talk a lot about the importance of reception in um, musical presentation. The people who are knowledgeable, informed, attentive listeners are as much a part of a musical performance as the people who are producing the sound, who are musicking, in Christopher Small's terminology. So we should know this from our tradition. When our tradition says, Shema, listen, there's a lot to be learned from that. Mm-hmm. And listening is a spiritual, musical experience. Not all engagement in music has to be performative. Some of it is really learning how to open your heart and open your mind and open your ears in a way where you are not just critically listening to what's happening like you would go to a theater performance or a concert, but rather you are becoming one with the performance through your engaged, active listening. Mm, Well, I just, I'm so struck by something you said a few minutes ago about how in some cultures it is everyone's responsibility to bring song to community. I mean, that just moves me to tears, especially because I really believe that song, singing, joining our voices together, 
the way I said it recently while I was opening a convening of activists was that, you know, communal song amplifies our voices and elevates our spirit. And so that song is part of that which attaches us to to the ultimate. Just feels so important to me. I think at all times, but at this moment, I'm I'm just really focused on that. And yes. that, that it's a collective response it's a collective experience and it's a collective responsibility. Let me riff off of what you just said, because I so um I so agree with you. Our tradition, the way I understand it, teaches that God is one. And I don't think all that means is that uh, we're a monotheistic rather than a polytheistic uh, religion. When we say that holiness is about oneness, um, I think that is teaching in a profound way that the things that bring us together are where we find holiness. The things that send us into separate camps um, and balkanize our experience or the antithesis of holiness. There is no greater embodied unity than sharing sound and breath with other human beings. Singing together is a profoundly impactful, unified experience uh, that moves us towards an experience with holiness. Mm, that's great. So do you have... um? Practical advice. Uh, I mean, this is a we can have a conversation about how important song is. And I know yeah. my wife has told me that she can measure my my mental state, my my emotional state by whether or not I'm singing around our house. And she knows that I'm sad or angry when I'm kind of quiet. And she knows that I am content or um, curious when I'm when I'm singing to myself. And I'm not even aware of it. So obviously, you know, you and I both have a natural affinity toward music and toward singing. But uh, practically, how could we bring this to life for people, especially for people who yeah. are not naturally drawn? Well, I mean, Deborah, one thing that I'd say is it's incredibly important to open yourself up to many different kinds of musical expression. I think too many Jews um, limit themselves viscerally to what feels Jewish, what doesn't feel Jewish. And what I found from my research is that within nanoseconds of walking into a synagogue, people make decisions about, is this a place I'm at home? Is this a place I'm comfortable? And the music is so coded for worshipers that um, we take a very quick read. I think that if we want to expand our spiritual connection to Judaism, we want to listen broadly to music that moves our heart and moves our, moves our soul. Um, we don't have to always make it our own. Sometimes it could just be inspirational uh, for when we're walking around the, the house singing. I recently learned a piece that I've been singing a lot with Jewish groups uh, that's uh, him from the black tradition. And I just added some Hebrew to it because the words are taken from uh, Hine Matov, even though I'm not sure if that was conscious to the folks who taught it to me. But the song goes, one more time, one more time. You allowed us to be together one more time. One more time, 
one more time. You allowed us to be together one more time. Behold how good and precious it is for us to be together. Behold how good and precious it is for us to be together. And of course, I just added when I sang it to a Jewish group, Hine Matov, Umanayim, Shevet Achim Gam Yachad. And it, it's just. It just hit my heart. Me too. You know, just, oh, Jeff, yeah. it's just magnificent. It's just magnificent. So, so that's not a Jewish song, but it's essentially a Jewish song. Yeah, right. You know, and of course, uh, historically, and you know, generations of ethnomusicologists and musicologists and historians have shown how we, in every culture at every time, take in the music that has moved our soul and we just make it Jewish, right. you know? Right. And, uh, um, one thing I do, I do a ethnomusicology course at Tufts called music and prayer in the Jewish tradition. And, um, I love to introduce my students to, uh, Lewandowski's Lachadudi, uh, sung by, uh, the, uh, Zamir Chorale. They have an amazing recording of it in the Majesty of Holiness. And that's, and, uh, that's, that's, if you know Lachadudi, many people know that melody. Right. Yeah. Well, they know the melody. That is just one chorus of and Lewandowski. Every single one nine verses are set in a different ah. uh, way. And uh, when my students first hear it in a magnificent, you know, polyphonic choral presentation with an organ, their first response is, "Oh, that's Christian. That's mm. Christian. That mm-hmm. can't be Jewish." And I say, stop it, you know, like stop. It. And I and I literally turn off the lights in the classroom and I turn up the speakers really loud. And I say, just take this in and see where it takes you. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a magnificent piece. Is it how I worship in synagogue? No, it's not how, it's not the kind of music that I'm drawn to sing in synagogue. Could my soul be elevated through that music? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the big obstacle to jump over is the presupposition and the prejudice that people will bring to certain coded forms of musical expression, like an organ, like choral singing, thinking that that can't possibly be Jewish. It's interesting for to show people what Lewandowski was doing when he was writing the material and the ways that he was engaging Jews in uh, an expression that was more modern and accessible to many Jews at that time. But, but I want people not only to understand the historical meaning of it, but be blown away and transformed and open enough to be changed by the sounds right. of what's uh, deep Jewish spiritual expression. I think that's probably a great place to to end because I think that that's what, one of the reasons why I am religious is you know I, I will hear people frequently say oh I'm not I'm not religious I'm spiritual but I find both the 
teachings and the wisdom and the many expressions of religious life again and again brings leads me to encounters where I am transformed. And I think that that's, you know, I, I feel like in my efforts to discern why am I here on this earth, I feel convinced that one of the reasons why I am here, we are all here, is to grow in wisdom, to, to learn to love each other, to help to repair brokenness, and to, to grow in wisdom. So I am always looking for those things that open me to transformation. And sometimes that is joyful, like when you started to sing, and sometimes it's hard. And I want the rigor and the assurance that that I'm going to um, you know, be pushed again and again and again. Mm. So, but, yeah, but music is such a a sweet, uh, uh, such a sustaining way. I think uh, for for that encounter to happen, as is this conversation. It is so wonderful to talk with you. Thank you, thank you. Um, I want to thank my guest, Rabbi Rabbi Jeff Summit, for our wonderful discussion on singing on music on transformation um, and for the gift of the song in the middle of it um, we're going to uh, load a lot of resources including links to Jeff's books and some of his articles on our website and we'll um, make certain to post some links to excellent music where you can be challenged and um, and nourished you can find those resources at hashivenu.fireside.fm and also on our websites, reconstructingjudaism.org and on ritualwell.org. I am Rabbi Deborah Waxman, and you've been listening to Hashivenu, Jewish Teachings on Resilience. Hashivenu.